Hey guys, what's up? Welcome back for another episode of the Matthew Spazzini program. I hope you guys are having a great week this week so far. And you know, if you're new to the show, we talk about entrepreneurship, we talk about financial freedom and economics, guys. These three things, and really it's really two, you can sum it up in financial freedom and economics, all right? And those are the two categories that you need for your life. First, you need financial freedom. To be truly free in life, you need financial freedom, which means you have to control the source of your income. And then you need to understand economics so that you have a glasses, if you will, to view the world in. And that is effectively what economics is. Economics gives you the lenses that you need to view the world in, to understand the world, to understand why humans act, to understand why they behave the way that they do, to understand why things are happening in the world, you need to understand economics. Economics in college, okay, is has largely been painted as a an esoteric subject, a, a very complicated subject that has uh, very confusing. It's really only there for you know professors and mathematicians and really highly educated people. But I'm going to tell you a little truth. Okay, that is totally BS. Economics. When you go through college, you don't realize that there are loads of different ways of viewing economics. There's different schools of thought ranging from the Chicago School of Economics to complexity economics to the behavioral economics to the Austrian School of Economics. There's all types and all different ways of viewing economics. And they all have their benefits and their downsides and stuff of that. I personally, I subscribe to the Austrian School of Economics, but there's lots of different ones. It's not a decided upon industry. No industry is. So many people do go into science. They take physics. They take chemistry. They take biology. And they think it's a decided on field. Everyone agrees on every aspect of the field. Not true. Yes, there are things that most people do agree on when it comes to certain, you know, fields and certain subjects in those fields, but no, no field is 100% decided on. Not the healthcare industry with doctors, not science with physics. Sure, there are absolutely rules and theories that the vast, like I said, the vast majority of people agree upon, but that is not the case for every single subject. That is not the case. I mean, with this whole COVID-19 virus stuff that's going on, there's a massive amount of disagreement in the medical industry. And it just shows you how divided every industry really is and how particularly how divided the medical industry is. Some people say the tests are accurate. Some people say they're not accurate. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go read, go read some articles, get out there. Go read some articles on why the test is not accurate and then read some about why it is accurate and why we should trust it and, you know, this and this and that and that. The fact remains, ladies and gentlemen, is that there isn't one single industry out there where everything is 100% agreed upon. And that is very much so the case with economics. But, you know, if you went to college, you take micro or macro, you don't learn about that kind of stuff. You don't learn that economics is a, you know, divided industry like every other industry is. You don't you don't learn about that. 
When you go into the medical field, do you really feel that it's a divided industry? You don't. Not really. When you go through college, they don't give you that impression what, what, one little bit. Maybe a little bit with regards to certain topics here and there, but they, they really give you the sense of unity, don't they? Well, that said, guys, economics is no different. And I subscribe to the Austrian School of Economics. But guys, economics is something where it, it, not, it shouldn't be some highly complicated topic. And yes, again, there are schools of economic thought that try to keep it that way, largely because they don't want you to understand it. I believe that that's why. They want to make themselves feel powerful. They want to make themselves feel more important than you. And what better way to make yourself feel more powerful and important than the vast majority of people than to ultimately have them think that they are too stupid to understand things, that they are not educated to understand stuff. The fact remains, anybody can learn economics. If you haven't done so already and, you, and you're really interested in learning economics, there is one book that you could buy. It's actually a pretty quick read. I really enjoyed it. It's called Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. It's an absolutely amazing book. He gives you, he teaches you one lesson of economics and he applies it to many different situations. And if you, if, if nothing else, if that's the only thing you learn, that will literally change your life. It's life-changing. It was life-changing for me. It's an absolute amazing book. I've read it. I love it. I enjoy it. I would highly recommend it to anyone who wants to understand the basics of economics. And it doesn't even get into anything highly complex, so you don't even have to worry about that if you're not, uh, you know, interested and you're not super nerdy. I, I am super nerdy, but, you know, I'm a very nerdy individual. But that being said, you know, um, it's a great book. I highly recommend it. But guys, look, economics is what you need to, to learn in order to understand the way that the world works. I'm going to give you an example based off Henry Hazlitt's book, uh, Economics in One Lesson. You know, the lesson that he teaches you is that whenever a regulation is talked about, Whenever anything is talked about on how to organize a society, ask yourself the question, who else does it affect? Make sure you are applying that to every single person in an entire nation, in an entire in the entire world, if you can. You know, and he, he talks about this when it comes to industries that have received regulations, that they've lobbied for them, they've received them, and the regulations protect their industry from going out by raising the prices of their competition or raising regulations that the competition has to adhere to in order to compete in that market. And in the end, it's like, well, yes, naturally, this, of course, benefits the workers who otherwise would have been put out of a job because there's a company overseas that can do it far better and far cheaper. And it, maybe it's not even that far better. Maybe the quality of the product here in the U.S. is better, but maybe it's far cheaper. It's good, it's good enough of quality and it's cheap enough. So what they, So, yeah, naturally, the workers who would have been put out from that competition naturally are benefiting off of this. But how does this affect the rest of the company? Well, now everyone else has to pay higher prices. Instead of getting the cheaper prices from overseas, which would have increased productivity, it would have increased wealth, it would have increased people's living standard of living, now all of that gets decreased because everyone has to spend more money than they otherwise would have on this product. 
and let's assume that this product is a product that is not a it's it's a commodity if you will it's a good that gets used in lots of other stuff so if you want to look at it whether it's uh, oil whether it's steel whether it's uh, plastics whatever it, it gets used in tons of other products well now you have to pay a lot more money because that product is used in so many and it increases the price of all those other products that everybody buys and now what you you were going to in maybe invest some of your money you're going to save some of your money maybe you were going to spend it somewhere else but now you have to spend all of your money or you have to spend more of it on these products so now you don't have more money to spend elsewhere your money doesn't buy as much anymore in a way your money in some ways has somewhat been devalued at least against these products your money just doesn't buy as much anymore and now you can't go out there and buy this product and this product you can't buy a all the products you were going to buy originally so that is generally the, the gist of it but still hey there are far far more examples that he goes through and there are far far more things that 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 he talks about and literally if you just read it it will change the way you view the world and i think it's so important everybody needs to go read that if you want to understand the way the world works you need to understand economics okay it's incredibly important that's why economics is the other part of the show. It's about financial freedom so that we can become truly free, control the source of our income, manage our personal finances well. You know, we can control the courses or the products or service that we're selling, right? So we control the prices and things of that nature. Um, but at the same time, economics is the other side of that coin. We also need to understand what the wor- what's going on in the world. And this in economics is how you do that, in my opinion. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the topic that I really wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about income inequality, and I wanted to explain this and break it down Barney style so you guys could really understand what is really causing income inequality. First, what is income inequality, which the vast majority of you are going to know. Income inequality is the fact that there are different groups of people who all make different levels of income. Usually, we're only focusing on two groups, the poor the poor and the rich, right? And those two groups of people have, you know, go up and down. If you look, want to think about it like a bar chart, the rich are way up here and the poor are kind of way down here, right? And, and, and when economic times are really good, generally speaking, the rich tend to come down a bit more or maybe the rich stay up there, but the poor kind of come up. And they get closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to the rich, right? And the income starts to become more equal. It starts to equalize, if you will. And that is the the general idea. Now, this isn't always the the way it works. Right now, income inequality is when there's big disparities. There's big differences. So the rich are way, 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 way up here. And let's say if you're looking at a bar chart and you want to look left to see what number they're at, the, the, I don't know, whatever. Let's say they're the rich are up at 200 and the poor are down here at like 50. Or let, let's even, actually, let's do it better. Let's say it's 20. I don't know what the numbers mean, okay? It doesn't matter. The point is, the rich are way up here, the poor are way down here, okay? That would be wealth inequality or income. That would be income inequality. 
Okay, you know the wealth ha the wealthy have a lot more wealth than the poor do. I mean, this has always been the case. There's always been income inequality. There's always been wealth inequality in our world. Um, literally, it, it, over the entire course of human history, it's always been this way. Seriously, it's always been this way. There's always going to be a disparity between these two groups. That's just the way that it is. Okay, you can't change it. I know there's lots of people out there who are under the false belief that you can. You will die a very, very unsatisfied human being. And very, very, un just quite frankly, very disenfranchised. Because it cannot be done. It just can't. You are trying to fight human nature, which you cannot change. There is no changing people. People act the way that they are because of human nature. You can't change that. That's like saying I can change the laws of physics. Okay? You can't. You have no more power over the laws of physics than you have over human nature. And here's the funny part, right? Because the people that usually believe that they can change human behavior, um, they all, they, these tend to be very intellectually sci smart, science-y kind of people. They get into the sciences, you know, they're computer programmers, they're physicists, you know, they're scientists in a way. Granted, there's a lot of unintelligent people that believe this as well, but there's a lot of highly intelligent people that believe this, highly educated people, people with doctorate degrees for crying out loud, which... I don't know about you. I used to think meant someone was smart. I don't view that anymore. I view that all a doctor degree is was a waste of time, a waste of money, and really a very, very poor investment. Just by analyzing the numbers and return on investment, yeah, good luck with that. You went into how much debt? Oh, and you only make how much now? Yeah, equation doesn't work out. Sorry, you, clearly you didn't study math very well. Because it was a poor investment. Now, there is another reason to get a doctorate degree. Because it gives you a sense of credibility that nothing else can. If you want that sense of credibility in a particular field, getting a doctorate degree is a great way to do it. I've even, honestly, if I had the money and I and I had the time, which I think the time is the more important factor here. Um, I don't have the money, but I, <laughs> I'm just saying the time would be the more important factor because the money I, I know that I will get in time, but time is, I have to spend so much time getting the money that I'm not, I don't know if I really want to go off and do it, but I, I've, I've, I've debated about getting a, a, a doctor degree in economics. Now I'm pretty sure I could do it. The problem is, is my life would be misery up until that point. I mean, for years, several years, it would be, a, it would be hard to do it and it would take a lot of money. And I'm not even interested in doing it if I have to take debt out because I'm not going to become a slave to somebody else for an education. I did that once with a business administration degree and you know where it got me? It got me into a freaking warehouse working with ex-convicts. Not exactly something I want to repeat. A doctorate degree, it wouldn't get me there. I could always be a professor and teach economics, which I love, by the way. I love economics. I mean, I, I talk about trading and investing and entrepreneurship and all that kind of stuff, but I love economics. I would love to be a professor and teach economics, but here's the thing. I can read all the books and I don't have to, all I have to do is pay the price of the books. It's just something I do. I, I read economic books all the time. I read it for personal enjoyment. Now, granted, ever since my daughter was born, 
I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of that has kind of fallen by the wayside. Um, you can't really read an economics book when you're taking care of an eight-month-old. Okay, just going to be honest with you right there. But that being said, though, I will eventually get back to my my readings, and I, I have to. I have a, a mountain of books that I have to read, and I have an unlimited a list of books that literally is is virtually unlimited. But that being said, though, okay. The fact remains is that if you get a, do- a doctor degree, you, you do it for more for credibility purposes. You don't do it to make money. But I still say it's not a very good investment. I mean, if you want to do create credibility, write a book on the subject. It's a cheaper and you can create celebrity and authority in your field very, very quickly. Not to mention, you have something you can sell people, so it's great. Uh, I have several book ideas down the th- that I want to write down the road, but again, it requires a lot of time to write it. So that being said, guys, um, let's get back to the topic: income inequality. So now that we've briefly explained what income inequality is, let's go ahead and talk about how to really understand it, and let's dive a lot deeper into the, just the basics of it. Okay. So the the fir- the very ver- the very next point that we need to make here is that when it comes to income inequality, you need to understand this particular point. And let's be honest, the vast majority of people don't understand this. And what it is is that being broke is temporary. Being poor is a state of mind. Okay? You know, this is a very 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 important thing. So when I'm talking about the poor people, I'm talking about the mental state that they have, not their financial situation, not their status symbol, not their wealth class if you will. I'm talking about their mental state. You know, generally speaking, these people have a state of mind that is more of a victim mentality. That's the, it's usually the state of mind that they have. They're, they're, they're always victim. The problem is always external. It's never their fault when most of the time it is their fault. Um, that is what characterizes a poor person. It's the way that they think about life, the way they think about things. They don't have a lot of focus in the future. They tend to focus about maybe the next day, maybe the weekend. That's largely how far they go. Maybe they go a little farther than that, but they don't think about 10, 20, 50 years down the the line. They just don't. They don't save their money, right? But being poor and being broke is different. Being broke means I have no money, but I got the knowledge and the mindset that I'm not going to be there forever. Being poor ensures that you're going to be there forever because it's it's a mindset. It's a way of thinking. And conversely, the wealthy are exactly the opposite, okay? Being rich means you have a lot of money, but it doesn't mean you're smart with it. In fact, rich people spend almost the vast majority of what they make, goes right out the door. They are almost just as bad as the poor people. The only difference is that they were able to attract, they know how to attract money. They have good skills. They got skills that make them highly valuable. Think actors and professional sports players. Think, um inventors, right, that invent new products, but that doesn't mean that you're wealthy. Wealthy is a state of mind. Wealthy means I not only have money, I know, I not only know, know how to attract it, I know how to keep it, okay? Poor people don't know how to attract it or keep it. Wealthy people at least know how to attract it, but they don't have the other half of the equation. They don't know how to keep it, so they spend the vast majority of what they make, and if they continue that lifestyle, they will inevitably not be rich anymore. 
So there's a difference, just as there's a difference between being broke and being poor, there is a difference between being rich and being wealthy. Rich means I have a lot of money, but it doesn't know, that doesn't mean I know how to manage the finances. It doesn't mean I know how to keep it. Being wealthy means I got all that. I know how, I know how to attract it. I also know how to keep it. Okay, so this is the this is the second point that you need to understand when we're talking about wealth inequality. This right here is the foundations that we're creating to help explain this topic. If you understand this, you're going to be able to understand the next point. You know, ultimately, what causes wealth inequality? That's the main question. And why is it that the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer? Now we've done conversations like this before we've done i've done a podcast episode on this before but there was another factor i i I left out honestly because when i was recording the episode i just didn't even think of mentioning it but there was another factor there that i left out so in that um podcast i talked about you know in monetary inflation and price inflation and i talked about how price inflation is what causes the rich to get rich and the poor get poor because the rich have all of these assets that rise in value with price inflation right as they continue to print more money as they continue to effectively gin the money up out of thin air you know as they continue to do this you know, the Federal Reserve does this all the time. What they do is they basically, they purchase treasury bonds and treasury bills. So they're effectively typing in ones and zeros on the computer. They've even admitted this. There are Federal Reserve chairmen who even went on public you know, television admitting this. Okay? So don't tell me that's a conspiracy theory. It's not. It's fact. It's fact. You cannot get around it. Emotionally, if you want to deny it, that's your that's your thing. But you can live in your own little fake world. That's fine. But you're you're hope you're hopeless at that point. I don't even want to bother trying to convince you because you're, you're it's pointless to attempt it with you. Be willing to open your mind. Okay, it's fact. This is how they do it. They increase the monetary supply by increasing the monetary supply. They increase price inflation if that the monetary if the money gets circulated into the economy. And when it gets circulated into the economy, guess what? Whoever gets the money first gets to buy all the nice stuff, the assets, the real estate, the stocks. They get to buy it all up. They get to buy it before everybody else does. And if, you, if you're the first person to get it, guess what? You get to spend it before the, infl- the price inflation occurs. Now, by the time you and I get the money, price inflation has occurred and the money is virtually pointless for us. But the rich and the wealthy, the truly connected people like the banks, okay, politicians, massive industries, they get the money first. So that's part of the, that is part of it. Now, granted, when we get the money, if the money was directly given to us in the form of stimulus checks, and this is the other piece of, of, of the puzzle that I like I said, I didn't leave it out intentionally. I just didn't think to talk about it. This is the other piece of that puzzle, though. Let's assume the stimulus checks are given out. Helicopter money is the term in economics. This is the term that they use. They call it helicopter money. Okay? And let's assume that they decide to do this and they give stimulus checks out to poor people. What do you think happens with those stimulus checks? 
based off of what I just said about how poor people spend their money and how they don't know how to attract it. They don't know how to keep it. Why do they not know how to keep it? Because they go off and they spend just about every flipping dime they have. In fact, they spend more than that. They go into debt and they spend even more than what they have, further increasing the fact that they're further making their situation worse. Now, I know this isn't the, the case for every single person, but if you are poor and you are, you've been poor for a long time, I guarantee you this is the case. This is the case for the vast majority of Americans today. This is the case for the vast majority of Americans. Maybe even Westerners. I don't know. I don't know how Europeans manage their money. I'd imagine it's very similar over there because the same kind of lie that creates this type of mentality, the lack of education and the financial education, lack of economic education has been going on over there just as well. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. But the fact remains is that if, if you give someone a stimulus check, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to put it in a savings? Are they going to spend it on maybe uh you know, precious metals because they fear that price inflation is going to take off? Are they going to invest it in the stock market? No. They're going to go buy a TV, which is depreciating like a rock. They're going to go buy a new refrigerator. They're going to go buy furniture. Look, there's nothing wrong with buying these things, okay? Let me first and foremost say that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with buying this stuff. But... The problem is, is that this is what defi- this is what differentiates the poor with the rich. This is what separates them. One knows how to be frugal with their money and spend it on things that are going to get them return, get them a return, and help to make them wealthier. Maybe they reinvest the money in their business. Maybe they just decide, I don't know what I'm going to do with it, so I'm just going to put it in savings for now. Whereas the poor spend it the minute they get it. Well, guess what happens? What happens when the poor spend the money? Where does it go? Who gets it? Goes back to the rich and the wealthy, doesn't it? That's how the money circulates. So not only did the rich and the in many situations where the government just basically buys treasury bonds and treasury bills, creating artificially creating money, or where the, the Federal Reserve now is actually buying direct bonds from the bond market. They're also buying ETFs that have that, that are made up of different companies that buy bonds and things of that nature. ETFs that also resemble bond prices and stuff of that like again, stuff of that nature. You know not only so in that case when a when the federal government comes in and they buy bonds the bonds is debt from a corporation the money goes into the corporation and the money goes straight to the rich and the wealthy yeah that money is also used to pay the the employees but by the time the money circulates down to the employees it's been devalued whereas the people that get the money first well are the investors the executives of the companies that's usually what happens. A lot of times what happens is they take that money and they re-engage in stock buybacks. Stock buybacks sends money directly into the hands of the investor, the investors, and then it usually ends up resulting in very, very fat bonuses for a lot of executives because 
they've given a false impression that the stock value of the company is doing well because the stock value keeps going up. Well, they're they're buying sh- they're, the share their own shares. They're decreasing the amount of shares that are on the market. Again, this is normal supply and demand economics. Economics 101 here. I mean, you should have learned this in college if you, I mean, this is, supply and demand is taught in college too. So this is pretty basic stuff. You know, you take shares, there's only a finite amount of them on the market and you, you take them off the market. Well, then the, if there's still high demand for it, the value is going to rise. This makes the company look like it's performing well, even though it may not be, but it, it, it doesn't matter. What is visual is everything, Right. What we visualize, what we can conceptually see is everything. Image is everything. So if you were giving the impression that the company is performing well by raising the stock value, your investors are going to be happy. And then the executives get big fat checks and bonuses. Sometimes they even get raises. And look, hey, I'm not, look, I I don't begrudge anyone who's in that position. If you're an executive, you're making money. Good on you. You got a big fat bonus check. Good on you. Look, this is just people behaving in their own self-interest. And, you know, before we all behave in our own self-interest. So don't point the finger at the rich and wealthy person and say, you're behaving in your own self-interest. Stop behaving in your own self-interest. I hate that. You should behave in your, you should not behave in your own self-interest and help others. Okay, even if someone decides to to help someone else, it's still in their own self-interest because it makes them feel good. Okay, Uh, (laughs) I'm just being honest. You know, for me personally, I constantly think back to the Friends episode with Joey and Phoebe where they're arguing about how there's no unselfish good deed. And Joey's like, yeah, there's no such thing as an unselfish good deed. Well, because everything you do is based off emotions. So every decision that you make, even if it's for charity and you're helping somebody else out, made you feel good. So therefore, it was selfish. Now, I like to implant that or, or I like to change that out and say instead of it being selfish, it's self-interested, right? Um, it doesn't matter. Even if you decide to do the right thing, you did it because it made you feel good. So therefore, it was a self-interest thing. Everyone, every action you do is, self, is self-interested is driven by self-interest. So don't be so pompous and self-righteous to think that you are not a self-interested human being. Took a shower, no self-interest. Ate food, breakfast, lunch, dinner, self-interest. You work a job to make money, that's self-interest. You worked out to be healthy, that was self-interested. Everything we do is self-interest, so don't be so self-righteous to think that you are not self-interest. But anyways, we're getting off topic, right? When the money is not paid directly to the rich and the wealthy, and the money is paid directly to the poor people, it doesn't matter. It all finds its way back to the rich and the wealthy. Because the poor people don't know how to hold on to their money. They constantly spend their money all the time. So the poor people, they go off and they spend the money. The money gets recirculated right back into the hands of the rich and the wealthy. This is why the income inequality gap is constantly growing. It's growing because of price inflation. It's growing because poor people don't know how to hold on to their money. Now, again, there's a difference between broke people and poor people, okay? Poor people don't know how to manage their money. 
They spend it the minute it goes out. If you're broke, it means that you just don't have money, but you know how to manage it. And that means that you won't be broke forever. You'll be back again. You'll eventually make money again. You will, you're not poor because you don't have the mindset. Okay? But this is why it doesn't matter how many government programs you do. It doesn't matter how many programs you create. It doesn't matter how much money you give to the poor. They are poor for a reason. They don't know how to manage their money. They're just going to give it right back to the rich and the wealthy. They're just going to spend it on consumer goods and give it right back, recirculate it back to them. Not only will that increase the prices of things because now there's more money in circulation. So when you have, again, supply and demand, you have the same number of consumer goods on the market. In fact, you're increasing demand, so you might even have less consumer goods on the market because more and more people are buying, but you increase the amount of the monetary supply. The increase in the monetary supply gets circulated in the economy. That money gets spent on consumer goods. The supply didn't increase. Supply is virtually the same. And as and as they as they spend more money, supply starts to dwindle. Supply starts to go down because you increased the medium of exchange. You increased the amount of money in which people can spend. And as a result of that, by increasing the monetary supply and circulating it into the economy, uh, effectively there is a lot more money going after a lot fewer goods. And this is what causes price inflation. So not only does it raise the value of stuff, further devaluing the dollar, further devaluing your purchasing power, if you will, but it also means that the poor are never holding on to their money. They're spending it. They're giving it right back to the rich and the wealthy. And again, I'm, I'm talking about the rich and the wealthy. It sounds like it's a negative way. Look, I have nothing against people being rich and wealthy. I want to be rich and wealthy. I'm trying to be rich and wealthy. You should too. There is nothing wrong about having money. There is nothing wrong about being rich and wealthy. Okay? There just isn't. Your freedom, in fact, is is tied to your wealth. Directly tied to your wealth. So there's nothing wrong with being rich and wealthy. It's not a dirty term. Although it is a dirty term into the today in the 21st century, it shouldn't be. It should be something that we all aspire to. If you, especially if you are a good person, if you are a good person, I've said this before, you have an obligation to become rich and wealthy. You have an obligation to become influential and powerful. Obviously, if you're not a good person, well, then, you know, nobody wants you to become rich and wealthy or rich and powerful or influential and powerful. But, you know, again, we're, we're getting off topic, but look. This, I'm going to reiterate it. This is how wealth inequality, income inequality works. It works like this. When we start printing money and we start transferring that money from wealthy people to poor people, that same money, and I'm going to you know reiterate this uh, again, but this is how income inequality works, okay? It works like this. When we start printing money, and we start transferring that money from wealthy people to poor people or directly to poor people, it doesn't matter, either way, that same money that we created and we transferred ended up being, tra- goes right back to the wealthy people again, okay? 
Anytime we create money out of thin air and then we give it to people in the form of subsidies and hands out handouts, all we're doing is creating more money that's going to be separated between two groups of people. Because that money is always going to wind up in the hands of the rich and wealthy. They know how to attract it. They know how to attract money. They know how to get you to spend your money. It's not an evil thing. It's not a bad thing. In fact, it can it can greatly increase your the enrich your life by spending money. I mean, there, there's we could dive into economics even deeper and talk about the division of labor and, and all kinds of stuff that can describe to you why it's good to spend money. It, why, why it can be very helpful. Because, you, you know, you're not specializing in a particular thing and somebody else is. So they specialize it. They do all the hard work. They do all, take all the risk and then you buy their product. So it takes you minutes to acquire it. But if you had to make it, you, you would never be able to make it ever on your own. Just you wouldn't be able to do it. But again, if you spend too much of it, it's bad. I mean, is this even how is this not common sense? If you spend too much of your money, it's not good. It's bad. It's really bad. And guys, when the money gets separated between two groups, we're not talking about the haves and the have-nots. It's not the rich versus the poor. It's the people, again, who know how to attract wealth and keep it, and those who only know how to spend it. That's all it is. Truly, that's all that it is. When you are creating money out of thin air, or you're taking money from wealthy people and giving it to poor people, and if you're creating money out of thin air, you're giving those that to the wealthy, and then the wealthy are distributing it down to the poor, or you give it directly to the poor, it doesn't matter. The money will always find its way into the wealthy people's hands. This is all how it's always been. Don't think that this is just how America is. This is how human nature is. This is how it's always been. The rich and the wealthy, they know how to attract the money, whereas the poor do not. And no matter how much money you give to the poor, they're poor because of the way they think about things. They're poor because of their mindset. They're going to transfer right back to the rich and the wealthy. So it doesn't matter what what, it, what program it is, whether it's stimulus checks, whether it's you know government subsidies, doesn't matter whether you're taking money from the rich and giving it to the poor. It's going to end up with the rich anyways. It always does. We need to get out of this mindset that if we just give the poor people more money, it's going to make their circumstances better. Now, sure, it's probably going to benefit them. They're going to get a lot more consumer items. But who makes the consumer items? The rich and the wealthy. The bourgeoisies. The owners of production. This is why there's an income inequality gap. This is why there's a wealth inequality gap. This is why poor people don't know how to manage their money because their mindset doesn't allow them to. Guys, the lack of education is absolutely the reason that we are in the situation we're in as a, as a nation. Okay? This is, it, it absolutely is. And it should be taught in, in public schools, but it isn't being taught. It wasn't taught to the parents. It wasn't taught to the older generation. Hence the reason they're not teaching it to the younger generation. We are in a situation now where generations upon generations upon generations have not been taught the things that we need to understand in order to understand the way that the world works. It's sad. 
I mean, yeah, people in the Great Depression, they knew very well not to go into debt. They had a ve- they were very frugal with their money. But even then, they still I, I don't know how much how how much they knew about price inflation and monetary inflation and those types of things. Maybe they did. Maybe there was a bigger chunk of people back then that did know about that kind of stuff. There is hope. Okay? Education is not is not the end all be all here. It's not like all we got to do is throw like I agree that that okay if you think that the answer is to educate. I agree with you. The answer is to educate. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. I'm trying to educate. And hey, my show is totally free. You don't have to pay me a dime. You know, I hope that you go and you you buy the stuff at my affiliate programs, you know, they're absolutely amazing and um I love these products uh, and whatnot. They're absolutely amazing. Not only do you get a lot of value because of these products, but you're also supporting the show at the same time. Eventually, I'll also open up way the show for you know for my listeners to donate if you just want to give me money and you and you don't exactly want to buy a product or a service that you're just not interested in. Okay, uh, you know, eventually, sure, eventually we'll, we'll go that route. But I do agree, we do need to educate. But throwing more money. And relying on a public education system that has been proven time and time again to be ineffective is not the way to do it. The future of education is not in public school. It's not in colleges. It's not in universities. It's not in the traditional education channels. It's in this. Teaching online. It's cheap or free in many cases. You can consume it on demand. This is the future. Not going to colleges. Not going to elementary school and, and, and middle school. And again, I, I know I'm going to attract a lot of rage by people who are vehemently disagree with me. And, and there is a religious cult for public schools. Like, I, I, I don't think very highly of them, okay? Let's just put it as that. I, I'll go into more in-depth you know, with regards to my opinion about it later, but, you know, I don't think very highly of it. I do agree that education is the way to go, but not that way. Not that way. If that was the way to go, then we wouldn't be in this boat. Everybody would already know all this stuff. I wouldn't even have a reason to come out and have a podcast about this. Everybody would already know it. But we are not teaching people things that need to be taught. And good luck ever getting that stuff taught in the public school systems. It's never going to happen. I, I, I'd be, I, hey, I'd be happy to be proven wrong. But I, I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't think you're ever going to you know, get public school systems to teach economics and to teach personal finances. And if they do, they're going to mess it up and they're not going to teach the right stuff in the first place. They're not going to teach the right way to look at it in the first place. You know why? Because how can they? The teachers are generally speaking, they can be poor too. They can have the poor mentality that we just talked about. But guys, look, it is still before, you know, a lot of you are also operating under the false narrative of the false, you know, on the lies that the poor people are always going to be poor and there's really no way of ever fixing that. There's no way of fixing the poor. Look, I know I just said a lot of things that kind of made it sound like I agreed with that statement. I, I, to, to be clear, I don't. To go on the record, I don't believe in that. 
yes, the poor are poor because they lack the education. And sometimes they, they lack the, they just don't care. One of the reasons they lack the education is they just don't care. Those people who don't care cannot be helped. They don't care. So they're going to have to suffer through a lot of pain before they can truly be educated because right now their minds are just not ready for it. But there are people out there who are poor in mindset, but you can re-educate them because they're willing to listen. And guys, these are the people that that, that we want to focus on, that we want to try to get out of the poor. Look, you can get out. I mean, you can still be wealthy in America today. In fact, here's a fun statistic. There are 1,700 new millionaires every created every single day, 365 days of a year in this country. 80% of them are new money wealthy, meaning they created their own wealth and they didn't inherit it. Isn't that amazing? 1,700 new millionaires every single day, 365 days a year, and 80% of them are new money wealthy, meaning they didn't inherit it. That is awesome. That is an amazing statistic. It's still possible to become wealthy. It's still possible to educate people who are willing to listen to the message. But look, if you're not where you want to be, it's your fault. It is your fault. You need to stop blaming it on somebody else and you need to take self-responsibility for your actions. If you're not where you want to be, it is your fault. We have wealth inequality, income inequality today because we have convinced people in this country that the only way for them to get ahead is if government steps in and helps them in one form or fashion. We have convinced them that their problems are external and that it isn't their fault. That's what we've convinced them. But the truth is, is that it is their fault. Their problems are not external. It's because of them. It's because of you. You are your problem, not somebody else, not something else. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I feel that this is a very liberating message. Because look, let's be, let's say this. You can't fix politics and you can't fix people, but you can fix you. You can't fix the recessions that are in the world today. You can't fix the problems that exist in the world. Those problems are external. You're focusing on the wrong things. And in fact, if again, that's another thing that we've done that's been bad. We have educated people to focus on external things. And not to focus on themselves, not to take self-responsibility for their own actions. Again, this is another feature that makes the poor people poor. It's mental state. Remember, mental state. Not, it's not a financial situation. The people who fall on bad times, you know, maybe they injured themselves, they had to go on disability, whatever. The people who fell on bad times, yeah, they will, maybe they're broke for a time. That doesn't mean they're poor. If they're poor, they're never going to get out of that, of being broke. But if they have a wealthy mentality, then they're going to get out of it. They're going to control their finances. They're going to learn how to attract the money. Okay? 
So guys, this is a powerful message because it means that life is ultimately in your hands. You control where you go in this world. You control your future, your destiny. I repeat this all the time. I love it. It's, it's an amazing quote, but you are, we are the captains of our fate. We are the masters of our souls. I am the captain of my fate. I am the master of my soul. I don't focus on external factors. So I know it's hard to, okay? I think human nature is that we, we love to focus on the negatives. We love to focus on external things. Because it's easier. We don't have to take responsibility for our actions when we do that. We need to start focusing internally. Okay? We need to start focusing on who we are. Again, it's, I think it's human nature. I think we all struggle with it, but that doesn't mean we can't fix it. The poor people are poor, but you can break them out of that mold if they're willing to listen. If they're genuinely willing to to listen and to change and they have an open mindset to it, we can educate them. We can get them out of that. We're not going to do it if if they're unwilling though. You can only change a heart that is willing to be changed. You can only change a mind that is willing to be changed. There's no sense in trying to change someone's heart or mind that is unwilling to change. It's just, there's just no sense in it. This is why politics is completely irrelevant, in my opinion. This is why talking about politics with people is completely irrelevant, because it really doesn't matter, right? If you disagree with me, you're not going to change your mind. You are very passionate about your belief. I may believe that you're wrong, but, you know, what good does it do me to argue with you about it? It's not going to help. It's not going to help one little bit. Seriously, what does it do? It does nothing. Nothing at all. Teaching other people who don't want to learn, who don't care, is a waste of time. Focus on the ones who do. And I'm hoping that if you're coming to this show, if you're listening to me, I'm hoping that that's you, that you want to change, that you have the the drive and you have the open mind to think that you might be wrong and I might be right. I'm hoping that you are ready for a change and that you are ready to not have the poverty mentality, the poor mentality, but to have a wealthy mentality, a mentality of abundance, a mindset of abundance, not of poverty and scarcity. Okay? That's why wealth and income inequality, that's why wealth inequality and income inequality exist. If you want to become wealthy, if you want to fix it, which you can't, because again, there are some people who are just unwilling to listen, but if you want to change, but you can change you. You have power to change who you are, where your life is going, what direction it's heading in. You can choose to change you. So if you want to change you, then you need to get out there. You need to become wealthy. You need to learn how to attract the money. I mean, you need to become rich. You need to adopt the wealthy slash abundance mindset. You need to learn how to attract the wealth. And then you need to learn how to keep it.
that's that, that's how you do it. Learn to attract wealth and learn how to keep it. Two simple things. Granted, it's simple. It's hard to do, right? It, 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 it's hard to do. But it's simple. Okay? It's, it's simple. And it can be done. And people who are poor don't have to stay poor. They're not going to be poor forever. We can get them out of there. Now, a lot of you probably are wondering, you know, what, what's my opinion with regards to all this wealth redistribution programs and things of that nature and stimulus checks. Look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I don't think we should have them. I know there's a lot of you that are going to be like, oh my gosh, Matthew thinks we shouldn't give poor people money. They're going to starve and die. What are we going to do? He's a horrible person. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Pandemonium. Look, I'm not a terrible person. Okay? But the money you're giving them is completely pointless. They're just going to give it back to the rich and the wealthy anyways. They're not going to save it. They're not going to, you know, manage it well. Look, and you know how I know that they're not going to starve? A, there's a lot of charity that exists in this nation. America is the most charitable nation on earth. Okay? Food banks, churches, you name it. There's massive amounts of charity programs out there to help other people. But another reason is that, look, if you look in, in places that are far poorer than America, India, Africa, those people are far poorer than even the poorest in our own nation. And they don't starve. If you know that you're not going to get your money from someone else, you figure it out. You have no choice. It's either figure it out or starve. You've learned to survive. If you could say anything about the human race, you can say that we are a race of survivors. You look in the poorest countries where they live in squalor compared to Americans. The, even the poorest of Americans are wealthier, way wealthier than them. Got your $1,000 cell phone, $600 cell phone. You want to call yourself poor? You want to call yourself destitute? got your internet, your TV, your flat screen TV, you got your car. Don't tell me that you're poor and you're destitute. You don't even know what that looks like. Look at India. Look at the slums in India. They have to they have to go through into the fields and they got to eat spiders. And sometimes they they have to eat bugs. That's not just because that's part of their culture, it's because they're they're destitute. They have no other way of feeding their family. I was watching a documentary the other day and there was this this in family in India who would go and hunt these like really furry black and white spiders. It was disgusting. It's like big tarantula things. And they had families. They, they took it back and they, they hunted these things down. They killed them and then they cooked them. And they, they had a number of them. These spiders are, are out there in abundance apparently. And it could feed. Several of these spiders would feed in a whole family. And not just a whole family of two parents and a couple kids. No, whole family, two parents, couple kids, grandparents. Sometimes even the kids have grown older and they've got grandkids there too. It feeds a ton of them. Just because we're not giving money to the poor doesn't mean they're going to starve. If that was the case, then India slums, in, slums in India, slums in Africa, Af, poor African villages, they wouldn't exist. They would have died off if that was true. 
People don't starve. Okay? It's just, it's a fallacy. I mean, yeah, that's, yes, people starve, but they don't starve because you don't give them money. If they didn't earn the money on their own, if they didn't learn to attract it, if they didn't do all the hard work, they're going to squander it. Not giving them the money is not going to cause them to starve and die. If that was the case, America would be dead because there were times in this country, you know, generations upon generations where we didn't have these wealth redistribution programs. There were times when we didn't have this, these ty- this type of program, this kind of money, this access to money. So you can't tell me that, 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 that we would have starved because if we all starved, if the poor in America starved, that means the only people that are living today are because of immigrants that came here. But, have, but heck, poverty was there too before wealth, redistribu- wealth redistributions programs existed. So it, 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 by that very definition, no society would ever get anywhere. Because everybody who's poor, and most people start off poor, most people are not rich and wealthy right out of the gates. You know you know how many people were rich and wealthy because they inherited money from kings and queens and stuff? Like they, they, they rubbed shoulders with royalty and they got money way, way, way back in the day. You know how many people there was? It was so few. You wouldn't have a nation. You wouldn't have the nations you see today if they were the only people that survived. Clearly, there were rich, there, there were poor people, there were people who were broke, broke people, who became wealthier. But they're not going to be incentivized to do it if you keep giving them money to do it. Money that they're just going to squander in the first place anyways and give right back to the rich and the wealthy. You know, see, it's funny. A lot of times, we, these programs end up being created because we think we're helping them. But in the end, the money is going right back into the rich and wealthy's hands anyways. So is the program really invented to help them? Or is the program invented to just enrich the rich and the wealthy? I know it says it's going to help the rich and the poor. We're going to give money to the poor. We're going to take money from the rich, which generally speaking doesn't happen a lot. I mean, yeah, let's be honest. Yes, they do take money from high, high middle class, which you could classify them as rich. They, they do take money. The, the bulk of the taxes that are paid in this nation are t- paid by the 5%, right? The top 5%. You know, if you're in the five, if you are in the top 5% in America, you know how much money you have to make? Do you really know? Have you ever looked it up? It's really not that much. 150 grand a year. $150,000 a year. I mean, <laughs> now, I, I'm, that's not that much money. Now that's for uh, the single person. Uh, the, the 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 money for a dual income family is a little bit higher than that. I don't remember the dual income family number, but still, that number still wasn't that high. I think it was like maybe two hundred thousand somewhere around there. There's a lot of families in America today that make that kind of money, and they're considered the top five percent of the rich and the wealthy in this nation. So if, so if you're making 80 grand a year, I mean, come on, just do the math. The, the people that end up paying the bulk of the taxes are the people that end up making that kind of income because income is what is taxed in this nation. It's not wealth, right? You know, if you, if you incorporate, you can, you get a much better tax deal. Okay. Wealth isn't taxed. Income 
is taxed. Okay? So, anyways, guys, look, that that's going to get us down another rabbit hole, but... The fact, guys, look, that's what, that's why income inequality exists. That's why it's there. That's why it's prevalent. That's why it's getting worse and worse and worse because people are, are constantly just spending more and more and more of their money. They're being basically, they're just, un, they're just not educated, but many of them are, they don't care to be educated, which is another reason why we're in the boat that we're in. They just don't care. I wish we could make them care. I do. I really wish we could have them care about this stuff because it's, it's so pivotal to their future. But unfortunately, we don't. And, and, and I mean, unfortunately, we can't convince them and they don't care. So as sad as that is, guys, the fact remains is that you can change your, the course of your life. You don't have to be a wage slave working for somebody else, making that person wealthy. You can make yourself wealthy. You can make yourself wealthy. And if you are a good person, you have an obligation to. Okay? You have, if, you, if you're a good person, you love free markets, and you want to see more, more liberty given to the people, and you, and you don't really, you know, you, and you don't believe that you fix it via politics, right? Waste of time. Don't bother with it. Focus on yourself. If that's you, you have an obligation to be wealthy. We need wealthy, good, wealthy people. We don't want crappy, horrible, wealthy people. We need good, principled, wealthy people. Because the rich and the wealthy are the powerful. And we need more of that. We need more good, wealthy, rich, powerful people. Unfortunately, I don't think we have a ton of that, right? I just don't think we have it. But look, hey, we can change that. Start becoming rich and wealthy. Get out there. Start working for yourself. Start getting out there. Start changing your life. You want to live a better life? Make better choices. Simple as that. All right. Let's talk about some affiliate programs before we leave. I really need to do the affiliate programs in the middle of the episode, but I, I always tend to forget. I always get on these rants, and I totally tend to forget to do them. All right, look, guys, if you are interested in learning those skills we were kind of talking about at the beginning of the episode, and you don't have any skills to go out there and learn you know, and how to take control of your income, then you need to learn some skills. There's a, there's a lot of ways to do it. You could do it with trading. If you want to do it with trading, go to Tier 1 Trading, guys. Tier 1 Trading, absolutely amazing trading company. They will not just teach you a strategy, which is all too common in the trading industry. They just teach you a strategy and they say, good luck. Yeah, Tier 1 Trading doesn't do that. They will teach you strategies, of course. They'll teach you patterns. They'll teach you lot pattern recognition. They will teach you how to read the charts, price charts, how to identify trends, they will teach you how to play stop losses. They will teach you all the necessary things that you need to create your own strategies. They'll show you some patterns and they'll show you some strategies that, that do exist, but they are going to teach you how to create your own strategies. Guys, this is incredibly important. If you want to learn how to trade, this is how you do it. You find people, you find mentors who know how to do it, and then you mimic them, if you will. Uh, you know, another thing that they also teach you is money management. Once you've done all the back testing, once you've done all the necessary work, which they'll teach you how to do that too. Um, once you've done all that, 
they're going to teach you money management. Money management is how you exponentially grow your account once you are a consistently profitable trader. Once you have a strategy that has a positive expectancy. It's absolutely amazing. I know I'm using a lot of jargon that many of you who are not interested in trading and don't get into it are like just going right over their head. But look, trading is a way to make money online without selling a product or service to anyone. And you can become very, very wealthy by trading. As long as you know how to control your income and you know and you know how to trade, you know how to come into the market and constantly take money out of the market. More you know how to take money more money out than you know how to put back in by losing money, right? You can make a lot of money with trading. And you could do it on your computer, you could do it anywhere from the world as long as you have an internet connection. It is amazing. So if you're interested in becoming financially free, you want to control the source of your income, Trading is a great way to do it. Go to tier1trading.com and you will learn how to do it. They're absolutely amazing. Charles, Miles, Akil Stokes, Jason Greystone, they won't turn you down the wrong path. I say that all the time, but it's true. They're amazing. I still talk to the, I still talk to Charles to this day. They're amazing, amazing people. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Also, if you're interested in trading, go check out TradingView. You need, if, you, if you're interested, you need charts. You need a charting platform. TradingView is one of the best places to achieve that. TradingView is absolutely amazing, guys. You know, they offer tons and tons of charts. They they offer tick, tick by tick data. Uh, I think they call it bar tick replay, which is basically where you pick a certain point in time and it blocks out all the, the, the time in front of it, all the candlesticks in front of it, so you only see... The candlesticks create as if it's real time. That's really cool. You know, whether you're into Forex trading stocks, futures, whatever, TradingView has access to all of it. Okay? They've got access to all of those markets. You can go check them out. If you're interested in Bitcoin, you're interested in, say, precious metals, whatever it is, you can get all that information on TradingView. And guys, it's dirt cheap. There really is it's hard to find a, a good charting platform as good as TradingView for less money than this, okay? That's my personal experience, but don't just take my word for it. Go check it out yourself. And uh, yeah, if you do, it'll be great. Uh, that being said, if you're not interested in any one of those things, guys, then go to Skillshare.com. Skillshare will give you an amazing library of courses and knowledge, and it all it's going to do it all for one, I believe the, the the program that's running is they're giving you it to you a whole month for free right now. It's absolutely amazing. They've got th- hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of courses on there. Uh, anywhere from say you know web design, email copywriting, you know YouTube ads, you know videography, and and how ha- and all that kind of stuff, guys. It's absolutely amazing. If you haven't checked out Skillshare yet. You really need to. And I think after the, the promotion, it's like $100 for an entire year. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing, guys. You won't be disappointed. Also, last but not least, I don't really talk a lot about this course because it, it doesn't tend to always fit in the mold of my message. Um, but guys, if you want to become financially free, one of the best ways to do it is to create a strong personal brand. It's one of the most important things you guys can do for yourself. If you want to take control of the source of your income and you want to effectively sell products and services, you have to have a strong personal brand that basically creates trust with your clients. I mean, I hate selling. I don't know about you guys, but I absolutely hate selling. You ever been to a car dealership 
Yeah, selling sucks because that's what everyone thinks about selling. Selling, however, doesn't have to be that way. What if you didn't have to go, you know, cold calling people or even warm calling people? What if you didn't have to do that? What if you didn't have to strong arm people into selling, into buying a product? What if you had a great product that you know would enrich someone's life, but instead of you going to them, they come to you because they're interested in what you have to do. And then you say, oh, well, you already see, you see what I'm doing. You like it. Okay. Well, Hey, here's what you do. You buy this thing. If you're interested, you know, check it out. You know, how amazing effortless selling guys, effortless. And if you got a good product, that's going to enrich their lives then you have an obligation to do this, enrich their lives, raise their, their standard of living, give them value and they will come to you. So guys, if you want to learn how to do this, go check out Jason Stapleton's course. He's got a course, uh, it's called the Iconic Personal Brand Mastery Course. Guys, this course is amazing. It's expensive. I'm going to be honest with you right here, right now. It's very expensive, but it's an amazing, amazing course. Okay. It really, 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 he's going to teach you how to sell in this way. He's going to effectively teach you how you can go out there and you can effectively, you don't even have to go out there and sell. He's going to teach you how to get people to come to you to buy your products. He's going to get teach you how to create a strong personal brand. And guys, this is one of the best ways to become financially free. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm doing this right now. This, that's what I'm doing. I'm creating a strong personal brand trying to. So guys, I don't normally pitch that because a, it's very expensive. It's an expensive course, which look, don't let that turn you off. Go check it out. Go, go look into it. But B, it doesn't always fit in the mold of what I'm doing. You know, what I primarily do on my other YouTube channel is I generally talk about trading, trading and investing things of that nature. I don't normally talk about doing, creating a strong personal brand, but seriously, Every time I create a piece of content, it's all to try and create a strong personal brand. I'm doing it all the time. And that's what you guys need to do too if you want to become financially free. All right, guys. I know that was a lot. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I, I do apologize. I know this episode went uh, a lot longer than it normally does. You know, I, I know that I've said in the past, I like to try to keep it around 30 minutes. And as you well know, that goes way out the window when I get on a rant. So yeah, <laughs> I do like to keep it around 30 minutes. But when you're talking about stuff like this and I'm very passionate about it, odds are it's not going to be that way. But, uh, you know, I'm still trying, still trying to keep it that low. But so, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You know, these extra long episodes, they provide so much value for you. So I, I hope it does. I hope you're getting a lot of value. If you, if you are and you really, really enjoy it, then hey, consider sharing it. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're watching this on iTunes, leave me a rating review. Let me know what you think of the show. You know, uh, give me a five stars if that's what you think it, it deserves. And uh, yeah, help me to get on the charts of the of the pot, top podcasts that are on iTunes. But guys, more importantly than all of that, if you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, okay, there's there's one thing you can do for me. And, I, and I'm personally asking you to do this. Share the show. Okay. Share it with anyone you think will listen. Anyone you think is going to enjoy it. Please share it. If you like the episode, share it on Facebook. Share it on Twitter. Share it 
just on any any anywhere you are, whatever social media platform that you're on, share it. If you're on Instagram, I guess I, share it on Instagram. Share it wherever, wherever you are. Get it out there. Help me get this message of self-responsibility, personal empowerment, financial freedom, and economics. Help me get this message that your life is yours to control. Your future is yours to control and to direct. Your destiny is in your hands. Help me get that message. That's a very self-empowering message. If you like it, Help me get it out to as many people as we possibly can. Let's grow this message. Let's spread this message. Guys, I don't know about you, but this message fills me up with energy. It gives me energy. It drives me. If it does that to, to you too, then share it. Get it out there. If you guys do all of that, not only will I be incredibly thankful, but I'll see you guys in the next episode. As always, know the risks, plan accordingly, and have a great week.